Hello, Stitchers. Welcome to Stitch Please, the official podcast of Black Women Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. I'm your host, Lisa Woolfork. I'm a fourth-generation sewing enthusiast with more than 20 years of sewing experience. I am looking forward to today's conversation. So sit back, relax, and get ready to get your stitch together. Hey, friends. Hey, it's Lisa from Black Women Stitch and the Stitch Please podcast. And as I say every week, this is a very special episode because this episode is with none other than Tia Valu Befikadu. She is a quilter and a photographer. And you can see how both of these practices are mutually sustaining art forms for Tia Valia. I had the great pleasure of meeting Tia Valia in person in 2023 when she came to the So Black Affinity Space that Black Women Stitch hosted at QuiltCon. And when I tell you she is a ray of sunshine in real life, just as she is lighting up your screen right now, and if you are a Patreon supporter, you get to see her and this gorgeous quilt that is apparently a work in progress. I think it's like a work in perfection, but she's calling it a work in progress that she still has to quilt. But it is a beautiful quilt behind her lovely piecing, gorgeous piece applique that seems very much in line with her style overall. So Tia Volume Epicado, welcome to the Stitch Please podcast. And thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much, Lisa. It's so great to be here. I'm so honored. I am honored that you agreed. You can see Tia Valia's work on her website. You can find it on Instagram. She is very generous, even with some of the behind the scenes things about like how she puts things together, how she goes from photograph to sketch, to quilt, to ideation, to execution. It's just so wonderful. Tia Valia, can you tell us a bit about your sewing story? How did you get started with stitching? Well, my very first memory is I took home economics in eighth grade, right? And, you know, it was a required class. I made a pillow. Um, it's very pristine. I still have it. It's in plastic. Uh, I made it in eighth grade. And then I didn't sew again until really, I was maybe about 24, 25, and I was a Girl Scout troop leader, and I needed to know how to sew those badges on for the girls. Oh. And so a my friend of mine, her mother um, taught home economics. So she showed me kind of how to use a sewing machine. Did that for a while, put it down. In 20, let me see, in 20, let me see, how old is my child? <laughs> in 2010, right? In 2010, I took a sewing class at Joanne's, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I just want to sew. Um, my grandmother was sewist, my mother sewed. I said, I'm just going to take a sewing basic one-on-one class. And mm-hmm. I took it and I was like hooked. And I was like, okay. Next step was taking a quilting class. And I convinced my mother to take it with me. I took that in 2010. And I was so slow. I had no experience, you know, from 10 years ago. And I just was in there, didn't know what I was doing. My mother made me cut all the fabric. So she just like, so she could just sit down. Right. And so, and (laughs) I have an idea something you can do. I know what you can do to your body. Let me help you, girl. Let me help you. Why don't you go cut out these 90 yards of fabric real quick for me? Do that for mama real quick. And I'll, I'll meet you back here. Yes. Like all of, all of, all of her triangles and squares. I did. And we used my grandmother's old singer from the 70s. And so my mother made a king size quilt. It's a tw- it was a twin size quilt club. 
class. She's like, well, I'm going to make a king because what am I going to do with a twin size quilt? I'm going to make something for my bed. I didn't finish mine, right? And I put it away. And then the pandemic hit. And that's kind of where everything kind of, you know, restarted for me. So in 2010, you're like working on this, you know, you take a class at Joanne's, you you start a quilt, your mother finishes twice the quilt that you were able to get started on. And then you were like, you know what? I think I'm pretty good with sewing these Girl Scout badges on. Girl Scout, you know what? How much more does a person need to sew? Honestly, the Girl Scout badges are great. This quilt is wonderful and I will return to it at another time. And then another time became 2020. Yes, it sat there for 10 years. It it was not bound. <laughs> I love it. So 2020 hits and you are at home with the kids and it is pandemic time. And has things have things did things slow down for you a lot in 2020? Were there things that you were planning to do but you couldn't do because of the pandemic? Share more about how the pandemic kind of activated some of your creativity. Right. So I have a photography business and you know. I wasn't taking any photographs, right? And so I had to find something creative to do. You know, my kids were at home. We're doing virtual school. You know, my husband was working from home. It's just, you know, it was too much. And so I had to figure out something. And so I really give God all the credit because he put the idea in my head. He said, we're going to find a way to take photographs and turn them into a quilt. Like, I honestly, it just kind of came out of nowhere. That's why I have to credit God because... I don't know. I just said, you know, I have to find something to do. And everyone was doing something, I feel, crafty over the pandemic. You know, people bought sewing machines and knitting and crocheting. And we had to do something to break our mind away from, like, you know, police violence on TV and George yes. Floyd, you know, being murdered and all these yes. things, right? And so I just said, I've got to figure out a way to do this. And that's kind of how it all started. That is wonderful. And what was the first piece that you recall making from 2020? Do you remember one of the first quilts that you did that gave you the breakthrough feeling that was like, you know what? This is this is something I want to stick with. So let me go back and say during 2020, we um, cleaned out the shed at my grandparents' house because we just had lot, you know, just lots of time. And we found bags of old clothes and unfinished quilt tops that were my grandmother's and they were sitting in this shed, you know, that's not very secure, you know, not air conditioning, yeah, air not, conditioned. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. Yeah. So I said, okay, this is, this is a sign, right? This is a sign that I have to do something. And so I decided to take that bag of clothes and old quilt tops. And I said, I'm going to make the quilt out of this. And I'm going to take photographs of my mother, my daughter, and I, and dress us in the fabrics of my grandmother. And I'm going to connect the generation. And so I said, I'm going to make it for my mother. And that's how it started. And so, you know, I started off with one block of my daughter. She's like in her little ballerina outfit her dance photo and I took like an old dress of my grandmother's and I just took it apart and I I mean it was really I mean it's really kind of fantastic but you know I like bootlegged it real good and I yeah, made yeah. a quilt block and I post I posted it in a Facebook group and people said okay this is what you need to do you know you need to give yourself some more seam allowance at the top because the block you know was maybe about eight inches and it okay. was just really tight all the way to the edges right Yes. And so I said, okay, I'm going to redo it. And I did a zigzag stitch and I used like white thread and, you know, like I didn't 
try to match anything, any skin tone or match to her clothes. And so I, that's where I started. I started and I made something for my mother and I just took all these pictures and my grandmother just had, you know, this is like polyester and, you know, old like kind of like canvas kind of, you know, thick woven cotton material yes. and d- denim and all that kind of stuff. Like my grandfather's coveralls and corduroy, all, all these things. And so each picture, I just dressed us in her clothes. And it was like stuff that my mom would remember because my mom would say, oh, I bought that for your grandmother when I got my first job. And it's like a bright orange polyester three-piece suit, right? Nice. Oh so my I God. put that together. And I took it, you know, to my mother, we were social distancing and I took it to her porch and she came out and she said, what is this? She's like, do you think I'm about to die? Like, what is this super sentimental gift? And so I just, I just was like, you know, I just really want to make this for you. And, you know, I think with COVID, you know, we just were all so sensitive. We just didn't know, you know, who was coming and going. And so I made this for my mother and that I posted that picture of this quilt, you know, on Facebook. I'm like, look what I made, y'all. Like, isn't this cute? And people said, oh, I want one. Oh, what's that? I want one. And I said, well, I might be on this one. Listen, listen, I love how you made your mother this amazing tribute that you went through your actual family archive and you found fabrics that came from garments that were worn by your grandmother, by your mother, and maybe even by yourself from like a long time ago. And you mm-hmm. resurrected those fabrics. You took them out of the oblivion of a storage shed that was not climate controlled. No. Where all of that stuff was exposed to all manner of elements. And only the polyester could survive that. I mean, considering <laughs> um, how polyester is right? you know, right. the polyester right. is a durable material. And so you were able to actually pull all that together and reactivate powerful memories. And instead of your mama being like, oh my gosh, this is wonderful. I love it. I'm sure she was feeling that too. But she was like, wait a minute. I ain't checking out yet. You don't got to give me no final gift. I'm not ready for that. But the fact that that is what it weighed to her, you know what I mean? That mm-hmm. it is, it mm-hmm. seemed like a huge culmination of love that you were yeah, presenting her with and how she was very affected by that. And, and I think that's a wonderful story to kind of encourage your creativity overall. And so, so did this, was this one of the first things when you started to post, you posted this image on Facebook and folks started to ask you like, hey, I want one too. Did you start taking commissions right away or did you continue to refine the technique or did you do both? A bit of both. I felt pretty confident in my skills, you know, based on YouTube University. I used to check out a lot of books from my local library at that time, but I felt pretty good. You know, I practiced some, but that quilt, I think it had 12 images. So it took me a while to really, you know, get my technique together. Um, But I felt pretty good about it. And I took a commission, like a lady asked me to make two quilts for her back to back Mm -hmm. um, right away. And so I just said, okay. Now, at that point, had you started working with a long arm in terms of the quilting you were doing? Did you all, did you, what kind of things that were you doing to quilt your pieces? Were you still using single needle machine? How did you evolve into uh, what you do right now, which is to put a quilt on a long arm sewing machine? 
Right. I did start on my domestic machine, you know, shoving it through that throat space. And I think what happened was about by the end of the year, but and so this started, I started in the summer and by the end of the year, I didn't like basting on the floor. I didn't like getting down the floor. I didn't like curved needles. I tried to spray base. Yeah. It didn't work. And so my husband, who's awesome, he's one of those people that he encourages me to say, if you can find something that makes you work faster and it's more techn- technologically advanced, yeah. go for it. So I bought a long arm sight unseen, really. Like I had only watched wow. some YouTube videos. I went to a quilt shop and they were like not really giving me the customer service, Mm-mm. you know, that I really wanted. Cause you know, they're expensive. It's a really big purchase. So, you know, and then they didn't give me a good price. So I went online, I went online and I found someone in Florida who gave me a good price on long arm. And then I just, I just purchased it. I mean, I just, I just bit the bullet and it's been a saving grace for me because I do a lot of large, a large, you know, quilts and yeah also it's just it just it just is an easier process for me and it's not backbreaking to say the least yeah exactly no I I love that and I appreciate you sharing that story about going to a local dealer and not being treated with the courtesy and respect that somebody who is buying an expensive machine deserves and I just want to break it down for y'all like even the domestic machines when you buy them from a sewing machine dealers they can be expensive I'm going to put some context on the word expensive because what I think is expensive might not be what somebody else thinks is expensive. But my serger that I bought at a most recent show, I got a discount, uh, um, a show deal, and it was like more than $6,000. The domestic machine that I have here was retailing for closer to $8,000 and I might have gotten it for maybe $5,500. So like we're not talking a $200 purchase. And when you get up into the long arms, I have not seen a long arm that's less than five figures. I think that the long arms, they are, this is a $10,000 minimum investment. And so it's kind of like, you know, the same retail experiences that Black people have everywhere. We have them in quilt shops. It's a whole huge knitting community created by Black women because of how poorly Black women are treated in knitting shops. So the same type of like racism or anti-blackness that we face everywhere also crops up in the things that we love. And that can be so painful. And so I'm really glad that you were able to find an alternative because I think there's nothing worse than having to convince some shop how to treat you well. The other thing about the quilt, the, about the long arms is these quilt shops, they, you know, different dealers are different places and they kind of like, judge you, you know, when you come in, they say, well, is she going to afford this? And, you know, if you're going to buy any machine, I want a demonstration. I want you to show me, like, I want to practice. I want to, you know, and then I might want to go home and think about it too. Right. Yes. And so if you're not going to give me hands-on experience, hands-on demonstration, then why am I there? Right. And the price was $800 more at my local shop than my, the Florida shop where I purchased it from. I mean, so it's like, what are you, what are you doing? Is that my price? You know? It, yeah. And I do think that that dealers do have some wiggle room with what different incentives they can give, different like promos they can give and all of that because it's so personal. That's one of the reasons why you can't check any of the prices for this machines online. 
it's very difficult to say, let, let me look up how much a baby lock, blah, 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 or a Bernina, blah, 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 or a Grace, blah, 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 would cost, or a handy quilt, handy quilt or this or that. All of those prices, mm-hmm. you're not going to find those just out in the world. You know, each right. dealer gets to set their own kind of within some limits. And I just feel like long arming is such an expensive enterprise. It's not just expensive to buy the machine. It's also expensive to equip it. So getting the needles, the batting, the, the maintenance, it's a real commitment. That's why I think it's so useful and important to have a good relationship with a dealer. Mm-hmm. It's just, mm-hmm. it can be hard to come by because too many of these little businesses are, you know, just don't treat Black people well. And that's unfortunate for them because I will spend my money elsewhere. That part. <laughs> Hey friends, hey, I know you're enjoying the audio version of Stitch Please and thanks so much for listening. But you're missing out on all the great stuff going on behind the scenes. That's why I'm inviting you to join our Black Women Stitch Patreon. For as little as $5 a month, you can see all the video versions of the podcast. Plus, you get some amazing swatch cards. You know how much I love these swatch cards. Look, look, see how cool these are? I... Oh, wait, you you can't you can't see them because you are not yet on the Patreon. So when you join the Patreon, you'll be able to see this me showing you these amazing cards. We also have some great perks at the other tiers like discounts, swag, office hours and more. Don't be the last sewist in the group now. Head over to patreon.com slash black women stitch or click the link in the show notes and become a Patreon supporter today. We truly cannot do this without you. So thank you so much. I'm so excited. You, so you got your long arm and you're finally like you're really approaching these quilts. I would love to talk through some of these gorgeous pieces that you have created. So okay. let's begin with this gorgeous Maki Dada from the color purple. This is so beautiful. Can you walk us Thank through you. what's happening here? What was the motivation for the use of color? What do you see this communicating? Even for folks who aren't familiar with the book or the film, talk us through this gorgeous quilt. So this quilt, you know, I work a lot on commissions, but this is a quilt. This is a quilt that I wanted to make, you know, for not necessarily for me, but for my own creativity. You know, it wasn't someone else's idea to make this quilt. And The Color Purple is one of my favorite movies. And, you know, that hand clap game is everything. You know, if a black woman sees another black woman and we're playing the exactly. party, right, like they know, like they know that they know that reference. And so. Um, this quilt, you know, it started because I I bought a book, I borrowed a book from the library about hexagons and what you could do with hexagon shapes. And I have an AccuQuilt die, and I said, okay, this all aligns. Like I'm gonna start. I want to make, you know, flowers. And I thought about that image of the sisters in the field, right? And they had those um, purple flowers in the field, yeah. and so. I just, I saw, I got the book. I was like, I want to make a color purple quilt. Like I just have to. And I went to the local fabric store and I saw a jelly roll of purple gradations. I said, okay, like this is aligning, right? Um, A lot of my quilts, I always start from a photograph. And so that's how I make my pattern. I wanted to use bold 
fabrics. I love African fabrics. They're my favorite. Um, and so this is what I decided to dress them in bright, in bright colors. Yeah. Um, but making those little hexagon flowers was really exciting. I learned how to make the stems and like use, you know, like bias, um, yes. like a bias um, stem. And so when I'm going, because I'm self-taught, like I'm always like trying to learn a new skill. I was like, Ooh, I learned how to make like these bias stems and I can make them have a little shape and wave. And I'm going to put that in the quilt. And I found this book and I have this dye and I'm going to make these flowers. But the reason why I make it in, at, the, at the end of the day is to celebrate, you know, black culture, right? I yes. want to always see us in a good light. I always want to have a moment of our treasured memories, right? I always want to put us in a good light. I want to share with the world, you know, the things that we love, right? And yeah. so this is just like my tiny little part in the conversation. And I also love about this quote is like, I upcycle like those purple kind of shiny fabric. Yeah. It's like a, a shirt I had, a sequin shirt I had, um, you know, I bought it, I think when I was pregnant and it was like kind of a maternity shirt. I'm not going to use it again. Let me use that because who wouldn't want any purple sequins on a purple quilt? Like, absolutely. <laughs> it was like that shirt was waiting to become it was waiting. flowers. Absolutely. It was waiting. Yeah. And I love scraps. And so, you know, I love to use my scraps. I use the African fabric on the scraps. And so it just kind of like it's a quote that gives me joy. Um, I've sold it to a dear friend of mine so I can visit with it again at another oh, time. Oh, good, good, good. So it's in a place where it will be loved as much as you loved when you made it. Yes, absolutely. So I love that. That's how the cycle, the cycle of love is continuing. I, mm -hmm. I wonder if I could get you to talk a little bit about the AccuQuilt. I, I have one as well. And I really like the way I can take all different types of fabrics and scraps and turn them into, um, I've got dyes for strips and I have dyes for half square triangles. And I like the idea of having mm -hmm. the ability to put together something in an unusual, like an unusual fabric, but it can match, you know, other quilting cottons or whatever. Can you talk a bit about how um, you use AccuQuilt products and how they help you get your own quilting accomplished. One thing I really like about AccuQuilt is I like the ease of instruction, right? There's so many videos. I'm a visual learner. Okay. Um, and so I really love the videos that kind of demonstrate, like, these are all the possibilities that you can do with it. And because it's an investment piece, you want to know, like, I'm going to get my money's worth. I'm not just going to buy this to sit on the shelf. And so like as a newer quilter, you know, it's it's like where you have to cut a lot of fabric, you have to cut a lot of half square triangles or, you know, you want to cut all these things like to have it um, be easy to cut. And then for the notches, like, you know, when I made like this quilt and I have lots of half square triangles and the way that those notches are cut up, it's just easy. It's just easy to line up and I don't have to worry about if it's going to be on the bias and if I feed it in the machine correctly, right? Yes. yes. It's going to line up for me. And then, you know, all of my projects can, you know, look, look great. Yes. And I just, I love the, like the two and a half inch strip. Right. And so that's perfect for binding. Like I just, yes. you know, I just make it, I just make it and I just keep it, um, keep it nearby. Right. Yes. Um, and I love how I can, it's just a great scrap buster. 
Yes. Um, you know, I can make letters, you know, and, and I bought a cube when I first bought it. And so I love that it comes with a cube and it comes with books and instructions. So it can kind of like, let me know that I'm not just wasting my money on another product. Right. That's right. I have so many things that I can do with it. Um, but I just love the little videos to try to just, that shows you how you can do it. Um, because when I bought mine, you know, it was during the pandemic. And so I've been yes. watching lots of videos all the time, all, all this consumption. I said, this is going to make me work faster, right? Yes. My quilting is going to be a little more accurate if I do, if I do yes. it correctly. Yes. Yeah. But it's that, it's the accuracy, it's the education, it's the ease, it's the ease. Yeah. Yes. That I, I agree. I have an eight inch cube as well. And I love how it's kind of like that cube gives you like, dozens upon dozens of projects that you can make and there's instructions for them. So it's like, even right. if you don't know what to make, if you start cutting up your half square triangles or cutting out your, you know, your squares or whatever, they'll tell you what you can make. And I do mm -hmm. like those little notches or the little flags they have at the bottom of their half square triangles. So that means mm -hmm. that everything lines up and you don't get those little flags hanging off the end that you do when you cut yes. them the other way. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's yes. Really, it's just it's, the, those little dog ears. Yeah. It the just dog ears. It. It makes it so much easier. Well, let's look at one <laughs> of the pieces that you did that used that. And then we can talk about some of your other ones. I love this space is the place. Like Sun Ra is such a important figure in Afrofuturism. Like I think that he and Octavia Butler, Samuel Delaney, these artists really help with the fundamental belief that there are Black people in the future. And that Black people ourselves are from the future. And so space is the place. Can you talk about this piece and what led to the creation of it and where it is now? So um, a good friend of mine who's a local artist, he's a painter, he put together a um, an Afrofuturism exhibit. And so he's been working on it for two years. He kept saying, I want you to make something. And I said, well, I'm not as educated about Afrofuturism. And so he's, you know, sent me some videos and some links to learn about Sun Ra in particular. And the great thing about Sun Ra is that he was from Alabama. He went to school in my hometown in Alabama A&M. And there's a story that he, when he was here in Huntsville, he was transported to outer space, mm -hmm. right? Yes. He's transported to outer space. And so that happened here, right? And he came back and he said, space is safer for us than earth. And it was like, you know, he, he might be on to something. Yeah, I think he's got a point. <laughs> got a point. Um, and so I wanted to make something for Afrofuturism. I did use my AccuQuilt to cut out the letters. Yeah. Um, which is a lot of fun. I use um, African fabrics for that one. I bought the background fabric on a trip and, you know, it was kind of like um, space kind of cloud theme. And since I live in the, in the rocket city, I thought, okay, I'm going to use this for something eventually. Yes. Um, and the other crazy thing, which I love about this quilt is that I was on YouTube and a lady was doing mosaic quilting, mosaic oh. piecing. And so she, you know, she kind of demonstrated a technique where she's using, um, you know, like steam -a seam and fusible and she's cutting them into these tiny little pieces. I said, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to cut these in tiny little pieces. I'm going to make this gradation because if you see the original picture from Space of the Place, it's a movie that Sun Ra made. Yes. He has this crazy cape and it's like this ombre yellow and orange cape. Wow. 
So I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to use this mosaic um, technique to cut all these little pieces of paper. And when I tell you, it was tedious, but it gave me so much joy. I was so oh, excited. To I'm do so it. glad. And, you know, he has this kind of like Egyptian kind of headdress on. Yeah. And, I, you know, it's like, you know, when you dig in your stash and you say, oh, I have some gold fabric. Oh, I have some shiny fabric. Yes. Ooh, something like this. And so, you know, I, I did that for his headpiece. Someone gifted me some embroidery thread. And I use that to make shoelaces. You know, my daughter was helping me and she said, he needs shoelaces on his shoes. I said, you know what he does? He needs shoelaces. And so I, oh. you know, I sew some little shoelaces on there, but um, this piece hung in the exhibit at University of Alabama Huntsville. Right now I still have it, um, it's for sale. Oh, but, wow. Um, it's for sale, but it was just a joy to make. And, you know, I it, it helps me. I guess the other thing about the quilts and some of my quilts is that I'm learning something, right? I'm not just putting yes. this man on a quilt. I'm learning something about his life. I'm learning about his contributions to Black America. Like I'm learning about his contributions to America. And so each piece, like I'm learning a little bit of something each time, right? Yes. And speaking of learning and of Alabama, your quilt that I've seen um in quite a few places the Alabama Writers Quilt. Like this, it says Alabama Authors. It's this gorgeous bookshelf type quilt where you have the books arranged by the spines and the different spines of the books are different fabrics. But you also did a wonderful job of turning some of the author's images facing forward so that we can see who you also have included here as Alabama Authors. Can you walk us through this process and let us know about where this quilt is? So um, I was in an exhibit um, here in Huntsville. It was about women, women as movers, shakers, change, major, change makers. And so um, I was told you can make a quote, you can make it as big as you want to, you know, you can do whatever you want to. And, you know, it's like, say less. Okay, exactly. But I wanted to make a quote that was Alabama centered. I am a huge audiobook fan. You know, I'm a podcast listener. I always have something in my ears while I'm sewing. Mm -hmm. And so I was listening to Yah Jesse's book, Homegoing. She was raised from the age of 10 in my hometown and her father teaches here locally. And so I said, okay, I have to make a quilt with her in it. And so I wanted to bring in all of these women who were born or raised in Alabama who were authors. My mother was an English professor. And so I'm just a really big book fan. And this quilt, the reason why I made it is because I want people to be inspired, you know, that you can do something great. These women were from Alabama soil, even if they didn't stay here for long, you know, their seeds were planted here. Yes. And the other thing that's really exciting about this quilt is that it's more than a quilt. There's been you know, programming attached to it. We've had professors come in and talk about the literary works of the authors. Yes. Um, and, and we've talked about all kinds, like racism and intersectionality and poetry and, you know, all these themes that are in the book. We can sit there and talk about them and then we can look at the beautiful quilt too, right? Yes. It, it, it went on a library tour through our local library system. It went to a, a local museum. It's going, you know, further south, hopefully to our state capital. Um, oh. But the awesome thing about this quilt is it was purchased by the Historic Huntsville Foundation. They own the quilt. And so, you know, wow. they have taken the quilt further than, than I could have imagined, right? 
Um, and they've they've taken it and we've made all these, we've invited the public to come in and have conversations about these women. It's like, once again, we can continue to tell their stories, right? And yes. the ones that have passed, we can continue to honor them. Yes. Like Harper Lee, for example, we had a book chat and we talked about To Kill a Mockingbird and to really break it down. And some of those things that she talked about are still relevant now, right? Indeed, indeed. To when I made it, you know, I really just kind of like watched a few YouTube videos and said, how do I make a book? <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, oh, this is how you make it. And this is the funny part. Um, someone told me there was a local quilt shop going out of business. And oh. I said, oh, I, need, I need some fabric for this quilt. And the people are like, oh, let's get together and go. And I said, uh-uh, I ain't going with y'all. I got up <laughs> early in the morning and I drove like an hour away. And bought up like I think I got twenty bolts of fabric for like one hundred and twenty dollars. Oh my gosh! So a lot of the fabric is from local quilt shops that oh, I that's use. So good. Um, I tried to uh, each each block has like a theme. Like Margaret Walker at the top, she has like African fabric behind behind her. Yes, um, Sonia Sanchez, her hair, her pair of my grandfather's um, pants. Oh, his gray pants. Oh, I love it. Harper Lee was, I told that she loved to tend her flower boxes. And so she has on a floral top and a very like feminine theme. Um, Y'all Jessie is like on a bright colored background. It's some outdoor fabric that I found at Joanne and it just felt like useful for her. Zora Neale Hurston if you see that iconic photo of her where she has that hat on and then that chevron background behind it. And I found some chevron, you know, fabric in my staff. I said, Ooh, like, okay, I'm going to use this for her. Um, Fanny flag at the bottom. She wrote um, the, she wrote the book fried green tomatoes. Tomatoes. Yeah. Her background are little like green and brown circles. So they kind of oh, yeah. look like, like you a know, fried, like fried tomato, like a fried tomato. Um, and then the other thing is for, uh, again, for my AccuQuilt, I use the two inch square. Oh, I use the large two inch die. And then you can, you know, put the fabric on the sub cut it to yes. make the letter. So all those letters at the top and the bottom are just like two inch, those little two inch um, square piece. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh. It's really yeah. very beautiful. And especially when you talk about the Hurston image, that's one of the iconic images of Hurston from the Harlem Renaissance. And so one, once again, your photography and quilting kind of come together because you're able to look at that image and say, I want to reproduce it in, in the quilt. And so it's just really cool to see how you were able to kind of to do that and to bring that, bring that together. I wanted to talk about this one as well. You've got this gorgeous Jesse Owens quilt. And I love the way that it has such powerful movement that we get to see Owens, you know, moving through space in this piece through the Olympic rings. Can you talk a bit about what you, how you're quilting in this context, in addition to the applique, helps to fuel this momentum that we see in this piece? Well, first, Jesse Owens is from Lawrence County, Alabama, which is about 30 minutes from where I'm from. So I said, okay, he's a homeboy, right? I have to honor 
honor this black man um, who's from, you know, not far from where I'm from. And I, I always want it to be like a sense of inspiration. If he can do this, then, you know, yes. we can do this. We can do excellent things. Um, this quote was really hard to make. I think I bit off more than I could chew when I started it. It's about 65 inches wide. And, and it's, and it's only because I had a big piece of fabric that I don't know where I was like, oh, this seems like a good background. Let's start off with this big white piece of fabric. But I used a lot of different fabrics, like the black circle for the Olympic rings was from some upholstery fabric that I had. Mm-hmm. I upholstered like a bench in my bedroom and I had and I took, you know, took that leather off. And I said, well, what am I going to do with it? I can't throw it away. I'm going to have to repurpose it. And so I used that. Um, and the applique technique was difficult because he is in motion and he was kind of like, you know, like he was, I couldn't get it quite stiff enough. He's kind of floppy. So it just took a lot of steam seam and, you know, fusing to go on to get, to get it to lie just correctly. Right. Um, the circles were really hard because when I make my patterns, I start from the photograph. And so I'm, I'm winging it all the time. So it's like when I print it out and I cut out that circle, you know, it's not, perfect right and mm. then you, when I go from paper to fabric I have to find a way to give it strength to stiffen it to have yes. it so it's not so loosey-goosey yes. um and then when I made the um binding I love scraps and so I said well I'm just gonna make a scrappy binding and I started with my AccuQuilt, with my dye, my two inch dye. And I just took all of my scraps and I said I'm gonna you know mimic the colors in the quilt yes the quilting, and I, I'm thankful for my long arm for the quilting portion because, you know, it's just basically a bunch of like um, cursive L's, right, going across. And then I flip them to go the other way around and then, you know, go across again and flip them to go underneath. And so it's a lot of dense quilting. I try to do that to kind of help him pop up a little bit off the quilt yes. so to give it a little more um, dimension. It was a joy to make. It was really hard to make. Uh, I'm so proud of it. I had it in a local little quilt exhibit at my, at a local library near me and it won, it won third place. So I'm very proud. Listen, <laughs> I don't know who won second and first because this is really very stunning. And the way that it just, it just feels like there's a lot of life in this quilt. Mm-hmm. Like in motion, like he is heading towards something, right? He's heading toward that finish line. And, I, you know, I'm heading towards something. I don't know, you know, as what this gospel song with the end will be, right? That's right. Um, but, you know, we're heading towards something. We're starting off low, but we're, you know, we're lifting ourselves and we're going forward. So that's what I hope the quilt kind of, you know, emulates. It really does. And I I just am so grateful for your time today and for walking us through these amazing pieces. And I'm going to now ask you the question that we ask everybody on the Stitch Please podcast. Right. You ready? The slogan of the Stitch Please podcast is that we will help you get your stitch together. Tia Valyabeficadu, photographer, quilt maker, artist, what advice do you have for our listeners to help us get our stitch together? You know, Lisa, I've thought about this a lot because I'm a fan of the podcast. And I would always say to listen to your own voice. 
to be confident in your decision when it comes to your artwork, when it comes to your quilting, and to just, you know, follow your own desires. You know, don't worry about the opinions of others because when you make something and you're pleased with it, that's enough. I can make a million quilts that never sold, but if I like them, then I have done myself justice. So I would just say, listen to your own voice and be guided by, you know, what's in your heart. Wow. And on that note, I thank you so much for being with us today on the Stitch Please podcast. Let us know how we can find you on the socials because um, people are going to be looking for you. How can we find you on the socials? On Instagram, it's at Tiavalia. It's T-I-A-V-A-L-Y-A. And I'm on Facebook. Um, it's Tiavalia Photography and Textile Art. Thank you so much for being with us today. This was fantastic. Thank you, Lisa. I appreciate it. You've been listening to Stitch Please, the official podcast of Black Women Stitch, the sewing group where Black Lives Matter. We appreciate you joining us this week and every week for stories that center Black women, girls, and femmes in sewing. We invite you to join the Black Women Stitch Patreon community with giving levels beginning at $5 a month. Your contributions help us bring the Stitch Please podcast to you every week. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your support and come back next week and we'll help you get your stitch together.